Goes Wetsuit Podcast. I am with a special guest tonight. I have my buddy Evan Kalish on the show. How are you doing, Evan? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Evan's a really interesting guy. He recently graduated uh, with an MBA, a college lacrosse player, and uh, just an overall interesting guy that I wanted to have on the show. So happy to happy to be interviewing you tonight, Evan. Awesome. Awesome. Wait, you mind? Can you just turn your volume up a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Yeah. That's a good thing about not being live is you can just edit all this shit out. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, can you hear me better? Yeah, it's better. Okay. All right, sweet. So, let's see. All right. What do you think? What do you want to start off on? We could do. Sorry, do you want to talk about like the, the hard condition? I'll, I'll do the hard condition. I'll go right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. So Evan had uh, a very interesting, uh, potentially life-threatening heart condition as a kid. Tell me a little what that was like. Okay. So uh, I was born with it's like a congenital heart defect. So it's a fast and large heart rate. So it's an irregular heartbeat that I had too many, I guess, I, I don't know what the actual terminology is, but whatever fires my heart off, I had too many of them in my heart. Because of that, my heart would be like at resting around like 200 beats per minute. So it's, that's like someone's sprinting. Right. It's like a really fast pace. And this was like when you were an infant? Uh, all the way up to 16. Oh, damn. And also, I have ADD and, a, and like uh, ADHD, like the learning disabilities. Um, but I had my parents put me on Adderall at a really young age. So with that combination of that heart plus Adderall from age 7 to 15, it, it destroyed my heart. Like, it broke my heart down to a point where... I was playing lacrosse. I came home, passed out on the staircase, and my dad came downstairs and looked at me and was like, what's going on? What's going on? And uh, I, I, we were waking up, and my, I guess my lips were blue. And he's like, okay, something's wrong. I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Every time I would go to the doctor before, uh, he, the doctor, my, my pediatrician would be like, he's good. His heart is just a little irregular. It's just a murmur. It's fine. Like, I got my heart tested when I was probably, like, 10 years old because I ran off of a soccer field crying, like, freaking out. I'm like, oh, my heart, my heart, my heart. And my mom was like, all right, we're going to go get him. It's, uh, we're going to go get an EKG, do all the, t- uh, like, chest t- testing and stuff like that. Everything, the doctors just said it was, I was fine. I don't know how. And then I go down to one other doctor. My dad just calls up. My dad's a podiatrist in Vero Beach, Florida. And so he calls up uh, a doctor that I've never been to. I go in right away. He just walks in. He's just like, he needs to go get surgery now. Like, like immediately. Just, yeah, immediately. I just got taken Damn. out. Of, I just got taken out of school. Like I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, 
trying to make my way on the varsity lacrosse. All I cared about was playing lacrosse. I was super into it. I wanted to play college sports. I wanted, that was my goal. I was ready to go. And the guy walked in and was just like, yeah, I asked him, I was like, can I play still? He's just like, no, I don't know if you can play sports again. And that, like, it just hit home. I was like, oh, wow. Like, this is, this is going to suck. And so, shit me up to Jacksonville the next day, surgery in the next, like, five days, I think. Uh, took nine hours on the table. They couldn't do, like, they had to do local, not general. They couldn't do oh, okay. out. So I kept waking up, like, crying because my back was on oh. a, flat, a flat table and just sitting there. But yeah, it was terrible. The whole experience was not fun. Uh, I had to sit out a whole year, um, a whole year for uh, sports. So I had to do halter monitors for like three days straight where I couldn't take a shower. I had to sit in my own sweat. I live in Florida, man. It's hot all the time, like all the time. So um, it it was it was a humbling experience to say the least. I I kind of take life as as is now is i have a kind of a second chance uh, I probably yeah three weeks left and i probably been running down the field and just poof sleep just going to sleep right there so yeah and like the there was one thing that really got me there was like a there was a kid that was in the hospital when i was there and i was in like the same ward as like cancer patients, I'm pretty sure, and then also, um, uh, like, other heart failure, like, heart problem uh, patients, their kids. And I was, like, one of the oldest ones. I was 16, so I was on the, like, older end of it, and there was, like, a little, there was a kid that had, uh, uh, he had some type of cancer, and I remember just talking to him, and I was, like, I was worried about my surgery, and he just told me, he's, like, I don't know if I'm going to live. And, like, he was eight, and I was 16, and I was, like, venting to him. Uh, we were playing video games in one of like the playrooms uh, in like the like the lobby. I was just it just put it in perspective of like what um, you know just like how lucky I was to have that have to happen to me. So right, right. It's like seeing it's like no one you know should have to go through stuff like that. But it's like then when you see like little kids experiencing it, that that's got to be just brutal. I just, Brutal. Like, after that, after that, I like went back into the room. My mom's like, "Are you, are you like, are you nervous? Like, are you nervous?" I'm just like, "No, let's do this thing. Like, just fear nothing." And I started doing this model because I watched this uh, ESPN clip. It's really good. It's like one of those thirty, you know, like those little snippets that they do before games and stuff. Like uh, Wisconsin football had this one kid. I'm pretty sure he actually did pass away. I think he did pass, but uh, he created a bond. This kid cancer like eight years old bonded with this uh, the quarterback for the Wisconsin Badgers and uh, like the model they had was fear nothing so I I saw that and I just took it too so I just ever since that I used to have like on my helmet I would say fear nothing on my helmet and on my gloves and, and stuff like that like I'd always write it everywhere and so it was kind of a cool model to live by because after that I was just like everything you do just go full speed like, don't absolutely because like there's it's like just how like we talk, how we met. That's exactly how I live. Like that is how if you have to do something, do it like that because you don't know when you're gonna die. Right. Absolutely. I I feel like. I mean, 
it's crazy because it's like you you kind of live yeah, i mean you're proof of that sort of like living living like that because i mean you mentioned how you went from the doctor saying you're never going to be able to play sports again right how did how did you end up i mean now you know you ended up playing you know at a, at an elite level you know college lacrosse and i mean sounds like just overall kicking ass how was it a long kind of recovery process or how did that all unfold so surgery happened my heart rate right away boom to like 75 beats per minute like i was looking at the the monitor and i'm just like wow that actually worked it just normalized like that normal i was like wow that is sick i remember drinking a hella uh, chocolate milk I was so hungry. I've never, I don't, I wasn't hungry. Like when I had a heart defect, my body wasn't being nourished. So right when it happened, I was like, nurse, I need food. I need food. Like I'm so hungry. And I just kept on eating for like three months straight. <laughs> I swear to God. I, it was, I gained, I went from one, like 45 to probably 200 pounds. 210 pounds in like three months and, and like grew probably four inches five inches wow it was incredible i've never seen it and so i turned into this like scrawny kid into this like just like everyone's like whoa what happened to you i'm just like i don't know like this heart thing started working and now my body's like responding to it so i started growing without even working out or doing anything no running nothing and then right when i got the like the hey, you're good to go. Like, they did stress tests, everything like that. They're like, hey, you're good. I went right to the gym. And I picked up serious weight right away. I was like, all right, I know something's different. I'm like, I'm going to play a different position in my sport. Everything else went from there. It was just like super sports got easy. Like, playing lacrosse was like this. I got to go out there. It was like my field. Right. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, you go from the scrawny guy to... What was it? Did you come back like over a, a summer or uh, like like the next school year? Or? No, like the I, day I got cleared, I played the practice lacrosse. Oh, okay. One, like right away, I knew I was like, uh oh. I was like, everyone's into a, for a bad. It sucks to be you, but great, great to be me. Like I knew that uh, that like I could run, I was running faster, like longer. Like there was my my muscle recovery was just way faster. Just tenfolds. Like I was a good athlete before, but whew, I just got like the doctor even said he's like, yeah, it's gonna pump more blood to your muscles more efficiently. Like it's gonna eventually thus create more muscle growth, and you know, I mean, like the strength of my body will just increase. So yeah, it was the whole thing of how it it, it was. It's kind of a blessing to happen now. Kind of got that out of the way. I, I'd rather not deal with that when I was when I'm 60. That would be a good idea. Right. But, I almost feel like when you go through like really rough stuff, like as a kid, where it, like sort of like forces you to, I mean, it, it kind of forces you to become a man in a sense, right? Where like you're going through stuff that's like life or death, like serious shit. Like most kids, at least in this country, probably don't you know have to face something like that. You know, thank God. But once you actually like do, I mean, man, that's that's crazy. That's got to just give you a whole new perspective on life. Yeah, it's 
It does give you a good perspective. I also, another thing I think about is the hardest thing I th it hurts me is to see my parents when they're worried like that. It's just not fun. Right. I'm like, I'm like, if I die, I die. Just, it's okay. Like, just make sure you have a cool like, funeral for me. But, like, come on. I don't want to see you guys. Like, I, my mom would just be sitting there, like, rocking. I'm like, oh, come on. Stop. Like, you're freaking me out. Like, she was so panicked. Like, my sister got in an accident when she was younger. That it's, that crippled my parents. Oh, my God. I'd never seen my parents. It just, that is the worst, the worst thing I, I just didn't like. Seeing my parents upset ever like that. For anyone, any any parent that has their kid get hurt is, um, I don't know how I could, I don't know how I would feel. It would, I'd lose my mind. Right, right. So, Just a, a less serious story. There was, it was kind of funny when I was a, this was like sophomore year. It was actually kind of around the same time that you had uh, your heart thing, I guess, kind of pop off. This was like my, my sophomore year of high school where I was just getting like horrible like cramps like shin splints and stuff. Like doctors thought it was shin splints. I did physical therapy forever, you know, icing, just stretching, whatever. Nothing worked. And I was like playing basketball at the time and it would get to the point like at the end of practices where I would like, I'd literally be unable to like move my foot up. Like my, my like oh my legs gosh. were like completely knotted. And I was like, what the hell is going on? It ultimately played some like Dr. Google and found out I had this thing called compartment syndrome, which is basically where your, your fascia surrounds oh. your muscle too tightly. Have you heard of that? Say it again. It's like your fascia. So the, the sheath that surrounds your muscle, yeah. basically just genetically, I guess the way my body developed, it kind of, it was like hugging the muscle too tightly. So the muscle, when you exercise, it expands and, and more blood flow gets right. there if, if things are working right. But there wasn't enough blood flow. So that's why I had like pins and needles and couldn't move and stuff. It was a whole ordeal. But um, I remember I was, I was in a, I was at the sports medicine clinic uh, with my mom, and basically, in order to test for this compartment syndrome, they they put a big needle. Like I'm not even exaggerating; it was like a needle, uh, probably like uh, this big, like thick needle, and they put it straight into your shin, like into the muscle. Uh, and and see, see, I'm like I'm like sitting there, <laughs> I'm like sitting there, like you know all right, like this sucks, but it's like, I was actually, I was actually thrilled. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I finally like figured out what the heck's going on. Like just got to take care of this and then get back to playing ball. And so they do the test and when they put the needle in instantly, my mom faints, <laughs> all of the nurses, all of the doctors, they immediately just completely forget the fact that I have a needle in my leg <laughs> and don't go rush over to take care of her. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, what the heck? <laughs> but it reminded me, though, it's like, it, it's that sort of thing where it was like, my mom was like much more worried just the whole time and me getting surgery. Like as a kid, I was like, ah, you know, feeling pretty invincible. Like, ah, whatever, you know, like I'll recover from it, which I did and everything's going to be fine. But yeah, man, I, I hear you as far as like when you see your parents like concerned about your health, it's just there, there's not many worse feelings. It's, it's tough. Talk about needles. When we were, when I was gonna get my blood drawn to start like the process to get the surgery going, this nurse she must have been new something. I don't know. 
I don't know. A day. I, I don't know. I was trying to get myself pumped up for doing the surgery. So I'm like trying to hype myself up like you got this. Don't die. Don't die. Don't die. <laughs> like, like, I was thinking in my head, don't die. Don't die. Don't die. Come back. Come back. So that's why I kept on waking up probably. I was just like fighting the like, an- like the anesthesia. Like, yeah. Back. So I was waking up all the time. They're like, knock them back out. Boom. I hit the thing. But anyways, I, I go in. They, she, the lady tries to tap my arm. She hits it. He goes, boom. All in my face. Wait, wait, wait. The blood? Blood sprays all in my face. Your like your face. blood just got she you. She tried to hit my vein. She hit my vein and went ah. all and I'm just like sitting there, just blood dripping in my face. I'm just like like <laughs> so heated because I'm about yeah. to go into a surgery. I'm just like, come I was I I'm <laughs> trying my best. My mom was trying to make me be quiet. But I was, I, I was just like, I just asked her, I was just like, I'm having a bad day. Let <laughs> me do this right, please. Uh, just, she's trying to wipe it off my face while I'm having oh, no. she, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was, oh man, I was. <sighs> yeah, it's like, you wanted, they wanted to like do everything to like make you like as calm before surgery as possible. And then that happens and you're just like, <laughs> what oh, just, the heck? I'm about to just stand up and start tearing it up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Man, so that. All right, so that was like what? I mean, when when you were actually like just going through that, that was like a year or something that you were like from the the time where things kind of went really south and having the surgery and then kind of getting back to like feeling better than ever. Oh, like so from surgery to cleared a year. Yeah, a year. Okay. Okay, man. So then after that, just pedal to the metal, huh? Did you feel kind of like I think you mentioned a little earlier, like, did you feel kind of like you had a chip on your shoulder? Like, you got this second chance. Like, you could have died. The, I, yeah, I missed a whole year of, of lacrosse. So, I, I knew I had to repeat uh, and go to a prep school. So, I did I did an extra year. So, I did two junior years and then a senior year. So, I did uh, I, one year in Florida for my junior year. And then my, my next junior year was in Maine. I went to a boarding school. So I, I played two years in New England, and that's what got me, like, recruited. That's, like, what got my name out there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and then just tearing it up in college. So that's crazy. I mean, that's, that's like, a true, like, medical miracle right there, how you were able to, yeah, you know. Honestly, yeah. it was kind of ironic. The guy that did the surgery on me was an uh, ex-college athlete. So, oh yeah. Yeah, he, he went to Princeton, played football. Huh. That's yeah. I feel like. Yeah, was, you you want to have a guy like, like that. He was like six foot five, like probably two hundred fifty pound dude. I was like, huh. you're gonna do the surgery? I was like, I thought you need like a little hands, like. Yeah right. Get in all. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah. Yeah getting like he they didn't they didn't go through my chest they went through my my leg vein. Uh, like they did an ablation all the way up through my Ooh. my vein, all the way up to my heart. It's insane to think about that. Like the amount of like precision that they how, like, like so many things could have gone wrong. Oh, like oh oh yeah, they had something in my body. Yeah, just, like working in there. Like what? And you, how did you get in my heart? How did they get inside of there? That's insane to think about. Insane, right? That happened to me. <laughs> insane does it feel like it's like a whole nother like 
that was like a whole past life or something like does it feel kind of surreal looking back on it yeah yeah like so like i yeah. know i know like, like times where i used to like like be short of breath like, i couldn't catch i couldn't catch like a single breath i like i always would be like, almost panicking which kind of stiff like it wasn't fun i like this i like the new heaven it's faster nice. more efficient i don't get tired ever anymore i don't nice. even, like, I, I rarely need coffee which is scary nice nice it's hard it's hard work really well awesome well listen nicotine. from creatine really oh nicotine oh nicotine ah okay okay no jewel no. gotcha well listen i want to transition you told me that you went to israel or you moved to israel what was that all about so, once again, lacrosse. Um, okay. Uh, lacrosse opens a lot of doors, and one of the doors that opened was uh, I have heritage in, uh, in Judaism. I, my, my mom's side is a little bit Jewish, and my dad's side is full. So, um, I when I was younger, I would always go to temple. So, when I heard there was a lacrosse team in Israel, I was like, why not? And I knew I had to do birthright as well. Birthright's worth it. If anyone's out there wanting to do something that if you are Jewish, you should go. Everyone oh, you got to. One free trip, 10 oh, days, yeah. best time of your life, uh, and nothing better than seeing the motherland and just being around really one of the greatest countries I've ever been in. Um, Absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of people say a lot of bad things about about the place, you should go there, you should see it. There's Muslims, there's Christians, and there's Jews, and they walk all together. Right. Uh, I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to hear the stuff that I, you sometimes hear in mainstream news, but a lot of it's fabricated, like, yeah. everything else. You know? Well, it's crazy, because, like, like, I went to Israel a few years ago on birthright, my freshman year, winter, uh, winter break of my freshman year of college, and, yeah, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, I guess I believed some of the media reports, like, thinking it was going to be, like, you know, violent and scary and whatever. But it's, like, people, honestly, like, just walking around. And I would hear this, especially from, like, um, like girls on the trip. They're, like, I feel, like, way more comfortable, like, walking around here than I do, like, in the States. Like, at night and stuff. Like, like it's actually, a, like, a safe country for the most part. It's just... Yeah. The news picks up on certain things and, you know, not to not to discredit, you know, the horrible, you know, terrorist attacks that happen there. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a small, small population. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But so you were actually you didn't just do birthright. You actually like were playing there. How long were you actually there? So I was there for probably around three to four months. Three, four months, man. So I stayed at a house... Ashkelon, and I played for a club team in Ashkelon as well. Uh, we we also uh, we would travel around the country, and uh, we would play just in individual teams. So there'd be one in Tel Aviv, Haifa, uh, Netanya, and then I think there's one more. I forgot where it was at, but. These we it was a pretty much a league and it was really fun. We'd all have a really good time. We teach kids in the daytime, show them what lacrosse is all about. We'd have clinics. We'd go to schools. 
I'd show the school, I'd show the kids at school, like the PE, lacrosse. So it was a really good, it was a really good time, really good to like learning skills of how to talk to people, especially in a country that you, I, my Hebrew is terrible, so I, I, it was hard for me to communicate, but I still got by with hand gestures in different ways. So learning that and that helped me build a skill as well, and uh, it was a really cool experience. I really missed that place, and uh, it'd be definitely a place to go back later. But Absolutely. Not right now. They wanted me to move back there, but uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't the move at the time. I had to go get my master's instead. So. Sure, sure. Yeah. Speaking of that, I'm I'm curious. Like, so what did you always kind of have that in mind? Like that you wanted to get your MBA, or was that something that just kind of came about? Um, I just know. I, I just in the past, I I've heard and I've from most of my like professors that I've talked to, they said that they encourage higher education, trying to get a, uh, a graduate, graduate degree, any, any type of way to kind of stand out past the crowd. And so that's what I, my idea was, uh, get a one-year MBA. You did it in one year? One year in 10 months. Wow. Uh, Were you like taking a million classes or? Yeah, I was, I was just playing lacrosse and that was it. Oh my gosh. I, I just sat around all day long besides practice. So I was like, what else should I do? Just I'll just do four <laughs> classes a semester. There you just go. So like I did two years worth of like ten months. It was good. It was stimulating. It was it was something else to do. I, I was gonna sit around and just sleep, so Yeah. It kept me going. Yeah. But you know but, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I mean at, at this time in my life, you know, I just graduated from undergrad um, twenty eighteen and, you know, definitely, like, people around me, you know, in my classes, like, because I studied psychology and biology, so the people in my biology classes, you know, they're often, you know, a lot of them were on the med school kind of track. So they're, like, you know, basically still in school, still going to be in school and doing residency, like, and, and I knew, like, just even early on in college, I was like, you know, what, when I'm finished college, like, I'm going to take a break, I need to see the world. Like, see some new stuff, experience some new things, like, before I, like, jump into another, uh, into another degree program. But now it's, like, I'm definitely considering it, but it's an interesting thing. I had, I had a buddy on uh, the podcast, I think it was, like, episode three. I had my buddy Michael Tobin, and we used to write for the University of Oregon School newspaper together. And he's now uh, interning at the Wall Street Journal. And he basically he basically wrote a piece. He spent like the whole summer working with a few other guys there, uh, working on a piece that was it was basically exposing these companies that claim to be able to get you out of you know student debt. So a lot of like fraudulent companies that are like, oh yeah, like you know we'll take care of all your debt. You know, so like a lot of them were just outright scams. Um, and then some of them just offered services that the government could already provide. They weren't right. actually doing anything extra. But it, it really got a good dialogue going because we were just like talking about it. it's like crazy with with the escalating costs, especially of like higher education. It's like was that a was that a tough decision for you? Like kind of weighing the 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 cost. Well, because you're a business guy, so you you know you weigh all the the cost benefit analysis, right? Like, as far as is it worth you know doling out all this money, um, you know, to p potentially make a lot more money in the future? Like, how how did you weigh that 
sort of decision. So I had to backtrack a little bit. Um, it would be my senior year of my undergrad. Uh, I decided I did not want to play college lacrosse anymore. So I was like, I'm done. I do not want to play here. I, I don't want to play for the coach. I don't believe in his, in his, in his ideology or his mission. So I knew that I was willing to take a starting position and step down from it. So I did. I quit. I contacted Lynn because I knew they had this master's course that I liked. And I liked how I had, I, I, I'm interested in sports agency. I have really been, I've, I've really been into it for a couple of years now. Uh, be honest, what got me started was the TV show Ballers. So the TV show what? Ballers. Oh. I'm not sure if I've seen that. It's with like the, the agents. Uh, it's like the sport agent. It's a it's, it's pretty much a TV show about sport uh, sport agency. Okay. Like a sport agent that follows around his his clients and like make sure they don't do anything bad and fix huh. problems and stuff like that. So I always thought that was really cool and I've always been into that. So I thought that I'd be interested in, in jumping into that uh, into that NBA. It was a one year, or a, I could be done in one year. And also, Lynn had a lacrosse team that was Division Two, and I knew I could transfer from D1 to D2 without any any wait time. So I called up their coach. I said, "Hey, I want to come here, but I'd like some compensation for me to come here." And they made sure that everything was fine. So uh, it was a blessing that I had that, and it's a blessing that my hard work gave me the ability to get some of the most of it painful. Nice. So, yeah. So that was a, it was a good thing. Like, uh, I could just, I, I could pay the rest. So it really, for me, for my circumstance, it, mine wasn't, mine's not, like, realistic compared to anyone else. Because of the, because of the, being the do, you, do you think it would have been, like, would you have still considered it? I'm sure it would have been a tougher decision if you were going to have to finance it all yourself. But. Myself, right now, no. no like right. you wouldn't want to take on that kind of debt. It it did get me. Uh, it got me. It got me my job, but my. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would hold out. I would just get my undergrad degree, if if that. I mean, there's at this point, networking is one of the most like, just, just take me to a large city. I don't even need to tell them my degree. Let me talk to you for 15 minutes. I'll prove to you that my brain activity is able to have a communication with someone good enough to sell something or to show some worth in a company. That's honestly. You don't need a degree to get a good job. Right. You just need networking and being have some perseverance to show yourself as like an actual beneficial person for that company. If you can show some type of value, show some type of outside the box thinking, anything like that, people hire you. Absolutely. No, I came to realize like I don't know. I think probably like after my when I was like finishing up with high school, I had a job basically canvassing, going door to door, you know, knocking on people's houses, trying to convince them to sign a petition for this political campaign. And I didn't actually care at all about the political campaign. You know, I was just doing it because it was paying over minimum wage and I needed the money. But that actually ended up probably being one of, if not the most valuable job I've ever had, 
solely because it forced me to talk to like practically a hundred people a day. So it's like, I started off like super awkward. Like I'm not, you know, as a kid, I was like very, you know, kind of socially awkward and shy. And like, this just like completely, it was like threw me to the wolves where it was like, you know, you start off like reading the script, like it's super tough. Yeah. But then it's like, by man, by the end of the summer, I would just know how to like, you know, knock on someone's house, like get a gauge on like how they're feeling, like be able to read like, oh, are they like skeptical about something and like call it out? Be like, oh, like what, you know, what about this? Do you have hesitation about like, like just being able to like read facial expressions and and micro expressions, like all this stuff is, it's so valuable. Like you're talking about, man, it's the networking skills. I honestly can't for the life of me understand why that's not like a high school class. Yeah, like it's more valuable than any it's it's gold. anything else i think i'm just that that's something that i'm so good at dude i can walk into a room and just take there's there's like simple steps to doing it it's like there's way you hold yourself and you can create like positive energy and attract like attention to you if you want it there's ways that you can hide crowd and there's ways so you can create yourself like being like the magnet almost can you t- like what a, what's the what's the magic there what do you I, what do you i guess like for me it's it's like just be be like own the doorway like wherever you're walking into just like when you walk into it act like you own it don't act like you're like you kind of walk in half like half like slow like just walk in full speed walk in head up and and i guess just it's just being yourself out loud is like the most important thing for like for me it's I like to talk to people so when I walk in I just start talking to people I'll say something when I walk by someone I go hey nice shirt like a, like, that, like just you know what I mean just a small talk just start going yeah how we started talking to you we're just like we're just like hey this guy wants to come out with us let's take him out let's 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 come I think that'd be I think that'd be the best way like to absolutely to, to just like. We asked the Uber driver to come out with us. We watched the, wasn't the basketball game going on? It was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the, trail, the Trailblazers. The trail my, my guys, yeah, they wanted like triple overtime that night. Yep, that game was insane. And every, I remember we were, every bar we were going to, you were watching the game and we were just running up to you laughing, like shaking you. And then we would go run around and start talking to people then meet back up with you. So it was like, that is exactly what we're doing all the time is talking. Like when I was at Publix today waiting to get a sub I can't I can't really talk in depth about what I do in my company but uh, I can talk about that I was talking to this guy at Publix and I start talking about his company I go hey I, I think I can help you with what I, what I can do and the way that we started talking our conversation I said that I go hey I like those those flip flops and he's like I like that I like that jacket you play lacrosse and Right about again, haha! It's always about lacrosse. And so then I, I talked about a little bit of lacrosse, and then he goes, "So what do you do now?" And I went in a little bit to what I did. He goes, "Oh, you can do that for me?" I go, "Yeah, I can do." He goes, "You got a card?" I go, "I'll, I'll set up a time that we can have a call." He goes, hands it to me. I go, "It's a pleasure." And when he left again, I go, "Hey, Joseph, enjoy your day." He turns and looks at me. and goes, "I appreciate you," and he walks out. Oh, That's man, another. I know exactly what I what I what I'm like doing right there. Right. That's another super 
key thing is like saying when you say people's names like when you remember their name and say it there's something about it where it's like something clicks they're like oh my god like this person actually like cares a bit about me i'm giving you like um it's like like is it dopamine that's releasing your brain yeah it's like almost like when i say when i say hey toby listen to me like you you automatically are like wait what do you have to say yeah it's like in psychology, we talk about like the cocktail party effect where, you know, we're, we're so good at tr- like tuning everything out. Like I could be having a conversation with one person. There could be all this commotion going on in the room. But the minute someone across the room says Toby, I instantly turn, you know, turn and look like that's everyone, how everyone responds because we're so like to our own name. It's absolutely you're right. It's like that. Yeah, it triggers that that reward response. It's the, the art of persuasion is an absolute thing too as well. Like in psychology, is the same way. I mean, my job, I, I, I can't once again go in depth about what, what we're doing because we have a, uh, we're doing something internally right now that we can't release. So, uh, but in sales itself, I work in that in that field. I work in software. But for selling something, you have to be able to show worth of why you don't have something that you need that we have that can help your company be better. But there's a way to persuade that and the way of the art of persuasion is something in psychology that is just hand in hand. Interesting. Just even like face-to-face interaction, I can see how your body type, I can tell what you, like who you are. It's like kind of like animal instincts almost where you can size someone up in the same way in sports too as well. I size yeah. people up the same way an animal sizes another animal up before they, they fight. It's and what's interesting, way. it's like, it's so much of communication, what we know, is nonverbal. Like, there's a tiny sliver of it being what we actually say to one another, but it's how I'm saying it. So I always use, like, the example, like, because I teach these neuro neuropsych education classes at work, and I talk about this sort of stuff. I'm like, if I was to, like, you know, say, like, oh, fuck off. Or if I was like, fuck off. Those those mean two very different things. Like and you can just perceive that based on my tonality, my my vocal inflection, just subtle things. And and, and being able to read that absolutely is one of the biggest, I think, keys. Did you was was that like in your MBA courses, was like psychology a big component, or did you learn kind of most of this stuff on your own? Mark, marketing. I think psychology marketing. is also in marketing. Marketing and psychology hand, once again, hand in hand because those those are things that marketing uses like actual scientific like stats to prove why humans are attracted to something, how you can sell something. That's the exact same thing of persuasion too as well. How can I show you that this is something you need in your life? It's the same thing of like showing red on a billboard. Red attracts your eyes more than black or mm-hmm. yellow. Red is a sign. For some reason, your eyes grab it. So those things are all the, the again, the art of persuasion. And also hand-in-hand with psychology. Yeah. Cool that you do this type of stuff. I think I had classes in undergrad that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, 
what what really interests me i mean there is so much connection like there even is a whole field now i don't know if you've heard of neuromarketing have you heard anything about that it would make sense though it's it's yeah, so it's basically using like technology that I work with on a daily basis, like basically an EEG, so measuring the electrical brain waves. So you would say you would say have an EEG cap on and then measure people's brain responses to say like two different advertisements. You see which produces kind of the greatest kind of dopamine, you know, per right. se, the, the the greatest response. Um, and that's a whole like I feel like, you know, advertisers marketers are so keen to that stuff because they're able to like you know just just pick up on like you know like just making like products like making food that like you know just like is addictive like just you can't stop eating it it's so connected and you can make a lot of money if you understand that if you understand like what makes human brains tick that's it and also what how my my big thing is how do I make my life easier? Is like that's my thing. Is always like how can I create something that can make someone's life easier? That's what you, how you can sell something. Because automatically, is convenience is always key. Right. Right. Sorry about that. I had a text message. Oh, you're good. So figuring out how to make your life easier. Okay. Yeah. So. Do you incorporate that into business? Uh. So I mean. What I do for a company does help other businesses, but uh, I guess for lacrosse coaching, I guess I'm helping kids get better at lacrosse. So I guess, yes, I would say yeah. Yeah, yeah. How about, I? it just came to mind this, there's a book I read like a couple years ago in college called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Have you ever read that? A lot of the stuff we're talking about is like from that book, um, or they touch same on mindset. that book. Yeah, same mindset. Great minds think alike. Um, there was one thing that I was going to touch on that, or that you had had mentioned, or uh, just about like basically, I think like a lot of maybe kind of people who aren't great at advertising or marketing, it's like they're like, here, let me show you this great service that we can offer. But like, I think what you maybe mentioned, and I think what what makes someone really good at that sort of work is being able to be like, like, what do you need? Like, how can I help you? Like, that's all right. It's all, about. it's all about, it's all about them. It's never about, yeah. You. Get, get rid of how you feel and how, how, what you want to do. It's all about catering to them and you'll get paid. Right. You right. Find so a figure out. You find a niche. Yeah. You find a niche that you literally caters to someone to make their life better and there's automatic right in any industry anything that you do right kind of like figure out their problem what are they having trouble with and in their business and then you be the one to fill that that need software uh, man management team you do anything like that and it's but it's really, you know, if you find something, then you can make money off of it. But you have to find like a niche. Right. Right. Where do you, where do you kind of like see yourself going as far as, you know, do you think you're gonna, do you eventually want to do like entrepreneurial things or? 
Yeah. Do you kind of have it mapped out, or do you like just kind of like more uh, kind of just go with the go with the flow? Uh, to be honest with you, I I, I want to be I want to do something with I, I do want to have some real estate. I want to have some investments like that. Um, been doing a lot of research on that and trying to like really get into it more. Uh, and then second, I think that I'd be into trying to start like an, some type of software. Some type of app, something that I can make, I can kind of like create. I want to create something myself. I want to have once again a purpose for someone to make their life better, or fix right, something. or be able to create something that makes their life. You know, it's like that's what I always go back to. Is how do I make some someone's life better? Well, it, that's exactly what I would try to do. I'm trying to have some type of product, some type of service or software system anything like that anything in the, that would fit doing that would be right right so you kind of got sort of like a like an outline sort of deal like where you kind of yeah, like you kind of know where you want to go but you don't exactly know like how to get it well, like, just, like like which path they're going to take where I'm at right now i'm making good money so i have i need to save some more money up and uh you know, I'd say the next couple of years I'd be figuring out what I'm doing. But right now I'm, I'm, I'm quite content and I just need to focus on myself and, you know, building some assets for, for doing something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm curious, like what, man, what, what does, what, cause you, you seem, I mean, just like a very motivated guy, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, have that level of ambition you know they're they're content you know just working you know whatever their basic job and and not really doing anything not you know just kind of content with a run-of-the-mill sort of life and i get the sense that that sort of never has you know satisfied you or, or never never been something that you've wanted to do like what what do you think have you always been like that or say yeah i've always just been like just let's just go do it always been i, I don't know that's that is that is a really good question i i would say i, I used to be afraid at one point like there's i went through a weird stage where i used to be afraid of everything but then i just like snapped out of it again and then um after that heart problem, that's when I just like, that's when things just, I, I just, I dove in head first. Everything. Yeah. So. I, I feel like definitely like fear, like I've definitely a lot of times in my life have been motivated by fear and it's not necessarily the best like place to be coming from, you know, if the motivation is more like I'm trying to succeed rather than like not fail, you know what I'm saying? But. Yeah, it, it just, I, I don't know, it, it, for, for me it was, it was just like a, an enlightenment, almost, it was like that, when you, when you just feel, like, you feel the Grim Reaper right behind you, and then he just takes his hand back off and walks away, like, okay, so every single time I would do something that was like, I was nervous, like, to talk to this girl, I was like, dude, I almost died like two years ago, come yeah. on, like, talk to her. So I'm like, what? No, I had to lose it. It, it would pay. It's paid off in so many scenarios. 
uh, it's paid off. Just being, just being yourself, I guess, but just also just not, just like, you only live once, you have to, if it's something that's not harming anyone, it, it's just something that's, like, non-violent or anything like that, just, yeah, you should do it. If you want to, if you want to, whatever you want to do, you just have to put your mind out to it. Like, I wanted to be, always become an All-American. Never got to be an All-American until this year, I finally got, like, I was hunting for that name for so long. I never got in, in, in high school because I was a Maine resident. I was a Florida resident. So they wouldn't give it to me when I played up there. Even though I had the best stats, couldn't get it. So I've always been, like, those are the like goals. Like, after I had a heart problem, I was like, I want to play D1. Like, D1 lacrosse, that's it. And I did that, too. Like, when my teachers told my parents that, like, it pissed me off when I was younger that, like, my parents didn't tell me that at this time, but my dad told me when I was like in, in, uh, in like in high school. He told me he's like, yeah, when you got you tested, they told you, they told you to uh, not enroll me in the college to put him into a trade school. He does not need to go to college. He's not gonna last. Oh, because uh, like ADD sort of stuff. ADD stuff like that. Like, like, yeah. Testing and something. They're like not not worth it whatsoever. And right. So, uh, that pissed me off again. Yeah, it's like a motivator, right? Like, I, I I don't know if you see like where, you know, where like LeBron will be like, you know, he'll have like a mediocre game, but then there'll be like some heckler on the court and just start like going in on him, and then it's like, you know, you you see him, he just changes. Like, yeah, yeah. I get I get motivated. And I, I, you're in psychology, you can probably tell me what's wrong with me. <laughs> uh, I, I get motivated when people tell me I can't do something. Like, it, it yeah. triggers me. Like, if you want me to work better, at, at, like, if I'm doing something wrong at a job, yell at me, actually. Because then I'll get so mad, I will do it so well, that I'll let you know that I'm doing it so well. Right. So I'll, I'll make sure that it's... It's just like almost like a, it triggers me to just be like just kill it now. Don't have, don't ever let it get anywhere close to it. So like once I learn my my lesson, I I, I always move on. Like, I, I guess I just perform at a high level after it. Like, that's what motivates me. When people right. tell you are like you're never gonna do that. Like oh you're gonna go to get your masters. Like you're gonna fail out. Like okay, I'll get it done in ten months. And then I'll I'll tell you hey I got it done. Where's yours? And then they can't say anything. So. Absolutely. Man, I, I feel like I'm wired the same way. It's like, when I feel like I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I, I just laugh if anyone is going to tell me that I'm not going to do it. Because it's like, I know that I there's it. nothing that can I stop me from doing whatever I set my mind on doing. Keep telling me stuff that I can't do. Like, just tell me right now. I, you're not going to make $100 million. Tell me, I want you to tell me that because I want to be motivated to do it. Because that's that's what you say. I'm like, like yesterday, I was I was talking to Max. You remember, you remember Max, the guy? Yeah, yeah, was, of course, yeah. He lives with, he lives with me. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll bring him in. I'll bring him in later. But um, he, I, I was talking to him yesterday, and I, I was like, how many pushups should I do? And he, he was like, five hundred. Oh, all right, I'll do 500. I go, you don't think I can't do it? He goes, no, you can't do it. I go, all right, I'm going to do it. So after he said that, it triggered me. I was like, all right, it's game on. Let's do this thing. 
So I did 500 push-ups, 500 air squats. I did that for my workout. And man, I, I, am, I am dying right now, by the way. Just like sitting in that seat, I am, my legs are hurting. So doing like that is like what motivates me. That's what motivates me. It's when people say I can't do something. I'm like, how dare you tell me that? Right. I am my, I am the master of my, like, my career. Like, I am the one, I'm the captain. Like, I can do whatever I want, whatever I want. Right. So, it's so interesting. Yeah. No, it's so interesting, though, like how how different people respond to criticism. Right. Because it's like probably a certain type of person would hear that, you know, maybe from a coach, maybe from a parent. And then they're just like they, they're like they're like, oh, like, I guess, you know, I'm going to just settle and I'm, I'm not going to be able to, you know, when, when you actually like take someone at face value and you're like, oh, well, this person is, you know, an authority figure they're you know an adult you know back when we were kids or whatever it's like and i used to be like that like i i used to have that mentality you know like probably like up until like you know being an upperclassman in high school where it's like you know you're kind of like just like looking up to people and like you know you're not really like comfortable with yourself enough or something i, I don't know what it is but man when you get to a point where you're just like doing things because you want to do them and, yeah. and not not like oh, oh what do care. you think of this don't, yeah don't, care don't like don't care about that yeah don't care exactly exactly because it's I, like I just, if you do something because you want to do it people are going to respect that so therefore if like not caring about people think honestly i think gets people to like like you like if you were to try like you know i feel like it's the same way with like dating circles it's yeah. A, it's a full circle effect. Everything we talked about this whole oh, yeah. thing is back to the same same topic. Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's it's incorporated in every aspect of like any any career, any any domain. I mean, just people skills, motivation, you know, psychology. It's it's just the mo- some of the most important things that apply to yeah, what all sorts of different stuff. Yeah. Well, I wanted I wanted to ask you switch gears a little like I wanted to ask you just going growing up in Florida man that's like coming you know when I came here in March it was like man this this place is like wild but you guys do it differently here yeah it's um, it's it's interesting to say the least you grew um, up what was the area <coughs> you grew up like you Vero said Vero beach, Vero? Vero beach Florida so small town there's water there's there's an ocean I lived I lived on a barrier island so I lived right on A1A and I lived in this weird upside down house with the kitchen upstairs and circle triangle windows I had a really good cool childhood like my childhood was very safe and I'll be honest with you I never had to be Hungry, anything like that. Every food was always provided. Like my 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 dad took care of us. My mom worked in my dad's office. Um, everything was great. Uh, honestly, like I wouldn't have done it differently. Yeah. Because man, I loved where I went, lived. I love where I lived. I mean, I say it all the time. You, I live where you vacation. I say it. Yeah. People come here. I'm like, I live here all the time. So right. I, I live right here. And the, the the it that's 
it's the best thing when I used to go home and I go fishing after after school. Like who got to say you caught like a, a snook or like a like a tarpon after after class. Like that's yeah. what I was doing. Like it, I was I was skimboarding every single day. Like I skimboarded for like years and just constantly, constantly skimboarding. Yeah. Man, it's a it's a good life out here. I mean, I I remember when I I first got here and I would just be like, you know, I came from Seattle and it was you know raining all the time. There had just been a big snowstorm and like I just kind of gotten used to it, man. Where it's like, you know, you're just used to the dreary weather day in day out, and it's like, it's just it becomes just normal because that's like what you you become accustomed to. But it's not until you get out of that. When I came here. And I would just like, I remember the first night I got to Deerfield Beach, I was in an Airbnb like three blocks from the beach. So the next morning, I, you know, I don't start work till noon. So the next morning I wake up and I just walk to Deerfield Beach and I'm like, I'm in heaven. Like this, this is like the coolest thing. It's like, yeah, and I still feel like it's like, it's like I'm still on spring break when it's, when I'm not working. It's great. This place is beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful area. Yeah, the people kind of stuck. I get it. Yeah. Um, See, I, I wanted to I wanted to dial in on that because that's something that's actually interesting me a lot lately. Because I, I read something. I think there was a. It might have been a Forbes article or it was some big magazine article, basically on the most depressed cities in the United States. Which is Boca. I don't. I don't think Boca was actually on it, but Deerfield was on it. Uh, Okeechobee. There, there were a lot of other like Florida cities on they, it because it was so weird because it would be showing like it would be showing some like rundown city in Ohio and Michigan and then it would be like Miami Gardens. And I was like, well, like, yeah, you know, dude, Miami I've Gardens. Never, I think sketchy. I, I used to work in the, for the Dolphins. It was so sketchy to drive down there. I felt so bad for that really? area. I felt so bad. Infrastructure, you can see there's no taxpayer dollars. It's terrible. They need to, I don't even want to get started with that. I'll just yeah. go off. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's interesting, though. It's like, it's such a beautiful area, and you would think that, I mean, it's it's kind of, I mean, other than Miami, it's kind of like a slower pace of life out here, you know, not being in a big city. And, like, why do you, why do you think that is, that, like, a lot of people are, and I, I, I've honestly noticed that, that it's like a lot of people are just, unhappy it seems like especially in boca there's a lot of people who are just like very entitled and and i don't know my guess is they've always kind of been around so much money they're not they've never really struggled they don't really you know those people you have to just humble back plain simple like if someone gives me tries to give me sass just because they think they're rich i will put it right back in your face don't care who you are and i'll be honest with you if it's if i'm not i wouldn't run into anyone that if i was i'm just walking down the street or something like that or going to a restaurant and i'm I'm eating food and they're eating food it's all something to me it's like rude i'm not gonna get disrespected so right i'll put it i'll put an old boga man in his place if he has to and it's happened a couple times and you move on and they usually respect it Afterwards, I usually apologize and say I was out of place. And I go, it's okay. Just, I just don't, I don't get disrespected. Right. You understand. So honestly, that if you if you've ever had that, um, just kind of check someone. Just say. Yeah. 
like being disrespected like that. Don't disrespect me. Right, because they're they're like doing it. I don't know why. I mean, maybe just power. Like like power. power. Yeah, they, they're they testing to like see they, how you're going to respond. Like, they feel like I know I am rich and I can tell you what to do because the stature of who I am. And I right. don't take that. You, yeah. you once once you have nothing on nothing none of the, the monetary value, you are nothing different than who I am. Right. There's nothing different than me and me and you. And at the end of the day. We're just, we're just two people. Just respect yeah. people. That's, I, that's what I would say. See, I feel like that's something like, like with travel, like with travel, I feel like, or just like experiencing like different cultures, different people, like going to Israel or something. It's like, you see people, yeah. like when I went on birthright, basically like half the trip, we had Israeli soldiers staying with us. And these people, you know, all the way across, you know, the world, but the same age as us they listen to the same music that we did they watch the same mo- like it was just such a like a humanity moment you know where it's like at first you're like oh like are we this is weird whatever but by the end of it you're like man like these people are just like you or me you're right and um i had the same experience with my, the people on my trip too as well i i haven't kept in touch with most of them i used to I wish them the best. I don't know where they are. I need to. I need to reach out to them. But um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see that. It really is. Um, like that interconnection of culture. That was it's so, it, it, so like I, I'm trying to figure the word, but uh, valuable or it was just able to just merge with each other so quickly, and we were able to make connections in in some way, some possible way. Mm-hmm. something that we are able to connect with and then keep on building on that kind of the foundation once i talk to one of them i build that foundation and just start building on it and yeah so- all right so obviously we got you know the big issue as far as the the opioid epidemic in this country you know tell me your thoughts as far as as what you know what kind of solutions or, or even causes you know what what do we got going on here yeah, it's 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 plain and simple, really. Um, you got to hold the people that started this accountable. It's, it's not it's not Mexican cartels. It's it's the big pharmacy in America. That's who started this epidemic, and um, those people need to be held accountable for it. Honestly, uh, I think that jail time should be should be a, a severe and swift thing through all those big pharmacy uh, pharmaceutical companies. Uh, hold hold people accountable for this terrible thing that's happening. You gotta realize that millions and millions of people are dying from it across the country. Uh, it's it's yeah, I you I, I in Miami it's terrible. Yeah, uh, I mean all I think that's the reason I guess there's a lot of you know addiction center, uh, centers in Florida, right? Is because like Florida this was before I moved here, but it got a, a lot of attention just nationally as being kind of this pill mill state. Where there are all these doctors that got caught just like passing, just you know, passing out huge prescriptions, right? Yep, yep, it happens. No, and it's it's a thing. Uh, it's 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 it, the the way to there's a couple steps. We have to stop treating op- opioids as or like taking drugs as a crime. Yes, it's illegal to do, but it's not a, like a physical violent crime. It's only hurting yourself, which is not good either. But 
in, in the grand scheme of it, it's, it shouldn't be something that you go to jail for. That doesn't right. solve anything. You're not getting anything right. done with that. We're, we're sending people into jail just to come right back out to do the exact same right. thing. They're not getting like I, rehabilitation. I, I, I like don't that's want to not get involved in that conversation. Oh yeah, it's a whole another, another rabbit another hole. podcast. Rabbit yeah, hole. yeah, yeah. Whatever you want, another one. Let me know. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, the, the one thing that is just it, it's it's if we don't start using other methods on how to treat these people. It's just going to be create this vicious cycle of failure again and again until people just die, which they are. And I lived in Louisville, Kentucky, where my undergrad was. People would just do heroin right outside the, the hospital, the OOD. Wow. So they could just go to the hospital because they're right there. Oh, my That's God. That's just so terrible. People are just shooting up, passing out, getting taken to the hospital. Because right. they knew that would be the best place to do it. That's – man, that's crazy. It's – yeah, it's something, it's, you know, they, they talk about, like, like marijuana being, you know, a gateway drug or whatever. And, but, but, like, literally, the gateway for a lot of these people who end up getting hooked on heroin are, pills. are the, the pills. Like, literally, doctors doctors, doctors are, are the pushed. ones. They're yeah, and then, you know, you, you start taking it because you got your wisdom teeth taken out. And then you like the way it makes you feel. And then you're like, hey, you know, refill my prescription. I'm still in pain or whatever. And if they oblige that, like, if, if they keep doing that and they end up, you know, like where you're addicted and then you find that, you know, heroin's cheaper. Like that's the gateway drug. Exactly. Right there. Exactly. You're not, you're not smoking weed and going to heroin. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And exactly. that's another thing. You look at the stats in Colorado. I don't know the actual numbers, but I know I read it. I read an article about how there is a direct correlation between opioids and marijuana use and how the use of marijuana in Colorado, which is a legal state to smoke marijuana in, there's a lower amount of opioid usage in that state. How is that a thing? Like, there's that has a direct correlation to it. I, and what's crazy, it, actually, I, those states aren't different than any of the other ones. You can, it's easy access to get it anywhere else. Right. And what's the difference? What it, the people can smoke weed? There's people know there's a healthier it, alternative. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's crazy, it's like I saw um, one of these companies, I, I think it was like the company whatever that makes Vicodin or whatever, they spent millions and millions of dollars to basically lobby to get uh, oh, yeah. Arizona, you know, to not be able to have med like medical marijuana. This is talking like medical marijuana is for people not who just want to get high, you know, smoke a joint. This is for people like who are in chronic pain. They seizures. have cancer, seizure, like MS. It, it, I think it's just a crime against humanity, honestly, to not allow people to when, when there's a safer alternative to something to, to not to lock people up for doing that. It's crazy. My friend, just like what LeBron said, sometimes that doing something or saying something will hurt your financial freedom or your financial uh investment the same thing lebron says is the same thing these other these pharmaceutical pharmaceutical the pharmaceutical company is saying they're saying if you're gonna do this to me we're gonna we're gonna make sure it doesn't happen so we're gonna put as much as money as we possibly can into it get our lobbyists so we don't suffer a huge loss in the end i mean it's crazy and to me just because if it's a if, it, if it's marijuana gets legalized across the country boom Drug problems are going to go right out the door. It's going to be gone. It's going to, there still will be drug problems. 
it's anyway you go to Amsterdam, there's still drug problems. It'll be less. That's the thing. There'll be way less. People aren't beginning killing themselves because there won't be overdosing. Less people be drinking. Less people be drinking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know in Colorado. Speaking of Colorado again, they found this was like one of the first years I think when it got legalized. There was a dramatic decrease in like highway deaths. You know that they attributed to a lot less people drunk driving. You know, maybe those Bingo. people were getting stoned on the road, and maybe that's not the best. But at the same time, it's all about like a better alternative. You know, if you want to, you know, have some fun, it's like you know we probably know that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. I would say for yeah. sure we know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man, it's it's crazy to think just the the heads of these companies. It's like, do they not have a consciousness? Like how, like you know, like like does money really get so deep down into their heads that well, they can't that, realize that rich, they're, they're, they're literally they killing about. people. They're literally they're like killing people. What do they care about? That's it. Money. It's crazy, money. man. Money. Just keep it going. That's it. Blinds you. Blinds you. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the money is the devil. Like it's, it's, you want more and more and more and more and more of it. It's the sin that you want. It's, you can create anything you want, power, anything. People yeah. want that, and they get a taste of it, and they want more. People get addicted to just having seen their bank account get bigger. Right, right. Well, I mean, I feel like I don't know if I agree with that completely. Like, like I feel like if 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 you want money to be able to put into the right things, if you want to go get money to be able to like put your family in a better financial position, if you want to put your friends in a better, like it's all about, I feel like who is getting the money. Like if you but, take yeah, someone yeah, who's me, power hungry and they're yeah, like, right. they're like, you know, trying to like, you know, dominate some other people, they've got, you know, lots of issues themselves and they get money. Like they're going to, they're going to get, you know, screw everything up. But I mean, I think, just the, the concept of money being like inherently bad. I don't know if I, I think I disagree with. No, you're, you're. I, I do. I, I want to restate my sentence. Yeah. That using money to be can be can definitely go in the bad in the wrong way. Agree. Money can definitely be evil. It can be bad. So like this is an example where it's just like, yay, more money, more money, more money, but you're killing people. So it's it the opioid crisis. It's a rabbit hole, and it's something that is just. It's the way that the, how the government's set up, there's nothing that's going to get done about it. It's not even worth talking about too in depth because nothing ever gets done about it. Mm-hmm. It's a vicious cycle. And also, it's, it makes money. Absolutely. But, I mean, I've talked to, I've had like doctors. Cancer. cancer makes money. Yeah. Cancer makes so much money. Oh, yeah. Cancer is cancer is money. Why get a cure? Why get a cure for these diseases? Because there's money to be made. Because they probably do have a cure somewhere. Right. Probably a cure for AIDS. They're like hell no. Let's let's make money off this. Mm-hmm. AIDS is money. Or th- any other disease that you have, you're having for the rest of your life that you have need life threatening medicine to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. It all costs so much. Why? Because it makes money and you need it. Right. Remember with the thing you were talking about before. What do you need? What do you need? Tell me what you need. You need something to help you have a little better life. Do you have AIDS? We have medicine for you, but it costs a thousand dollars. Right. And then it's like you're willing to what pay anything if you have you your mortgage, your house, whatever it is. Like, yeah. 
I'm with you, man. I don't I don't know if there is a, a clear solution in place besides people just really taking more control over their own health and, and informing themselves. You know, I think as education, education, education. I, I, yeah. honestly, I think is but that's that's another problem. <laughs> just the lack of education. Yeah. Just yeah. The lack of, yeah. I hear you, man. Well, you know, I think that was a, a good discussion, man. I'm glad uh, glad I had you on. Uh, yeah, in, invite me back. I'd absolutely come we'll, back we'll on. Definitely, dude. You'll we need to get a stu- We need to get a studio. Let's That's get a studio the thing. and dude, do me, this. You, me, Let's you and Max. Me, you and Max. We could do because I've wanted to. I'm gonna do actually uh, my first interview with like two other people. You know, like we, I'm gonna be in the middle and have a couple. Be, we need to get a couple desktops. It's just a couple computers, a camera, a mic. Yeah, like professional lighting. Like make just, it like legit. Just a room. Just Absolutely. A room. Like we just need a room to do it. I mean, we could do it in my living room. Honestly, I, I could care less. I mean, uh, honestly, I, I got my buddy in Miami like has like professional like cameras and lighting. I may be able to borrow something from him and, you know, we could try to get that over here. Out. Just do like, a little just do it do yourself. Yeah. yeah, we should just we should do yeah, man. talk about sports. Oh, yeah. This just stuff we just just shoot the crap. Absolutely, man. We could go on about all this stuff, you know, for hours. So, yeah. hell yeah, hell yeah. Would you? Um, I don't know. I mean, usually I ask people, you know, if there's any resources, you know, you direct people to, or if people want to. I don't know if you want people to get in in touch with you or not, but I mean, feel free to plug whatever whatever you want to plug at the moment. Uh, right now. Yeah, yeah. If there's I don't know if you want to direct people to your company or I don't know if. Uh, no, I yeah. I can't at this moment. There's there's something going on internally that uh, I was not supposed to. In December, I would love to yeah. have another, another podcast and I can tell you all about it. It's it, yeah, an interesting that. tool itself that I can we can talk off the air, but I don't want anything sure. on online. So I want to just personally talk about myself and my goals and my ambitions. Yeah. But soon, soon we will have that that discussion. Absolutely, yeah. And it'll be easier for part two. We, we do need to do another podcast. Yes, I, I think I could get I think I could get good at this whole podcast thing. Dude, you you've been a good guest, man. You you are yeah. you're just, it's just honestly being a good like conversationalist and yes. being able can to, you just talk to a wall? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can t- I can literally talk to the wall that's beside me for right. like, the whole night. I don't need anything else. I'm just like, hey, this is, you're a nice wall. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, Good, good. So if you guys enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and give us a like and follow on YouTube. Roscoe's Wetsuit is the YouTube channel. We're also on Instagram, Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast. We got it audio version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, anywhere you can find podcasts, we're there. So go check us out. Uh, Again, Evan, thanks so much again for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Honestly, I'm just glad that I got in before we go famous. So I, I know. This is, Dude, you better line. People are going to be lining up for autographs, man. Like, once this blows up, they're going to be like, you were on before. Wait, before Roscoe got days. Before Roscoe got big, you were yeah. on Roscoe. I'm like, I'm like the, OG, the, the OG. The OG guest. Yeah. Let's do it.